the Oxfordshire News podcast from Jack FM. Hi, it's Joe here from the news team at Jack. And in this episode, we wanted to focus on what depression looks like in men. Mental health problems can affect anyone regardless of gender, but the stats are stark. So 76% of all suicides in the UK are male suicides. It's the biggest killer of men under 50. The most at risk of that is the 45 to 50 year old range of suicide. When you think about that as a statistic, the biggest killer of men under 50 is men taking their own lives. Someone told me that and I spoke to a colleague and went, that can't be right because that seems too high. And we looked at it and we went, oh, it is. That's outrageous. That's Stephen, who you will hear from a little later. He's suffered with depression since the 90s and he's got some really great advice on coping mechanisms and how to approach the subject of mental health with a friend or a family member if you think that something's up. And that's the theme of this episode, really. Awareness around mental health is continuing to grow, but people have told me that the stigmas, for men especially, remain around talking about mental health and asking for help. So first, I had a chat with an Oxfordshire man who was diagnosed with depression 16 years ago. This is Lindsay. I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder in 2012 and it kind of came off the back of uh, the Olympics because I went to a couple of events and I watched a lot of the coverage and I got quite kind of high on the idea of it. Obviously England, or Britain rather, were winning a lot of events and um so yeah and it, that that kind of was a was a bolt from the blue because i i'd suffered with kind of unipolar depression and anxiety problems since like 1996 when i was at university the issue with bipolar is that you tend to get periods of mania and periods of depression I was actually very well for about four and a half years, and I, I got uh, I had a relapse in autumn uh, 2020. My mood is very stable generally, but I, I do have period where I kind of get relapse, and that's no fun for anybody really, because I because I get manic and kind of kind of high for a very brief period, and then I have unfortunately have periods of um, psychosis. There is a definite problem. I don't think men are in touch with their um, emotional life in a, the same way that women tend to be. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm generalising there, but uh, but I think men maybe keep their head down and try and carry on through difficulties, and they don't necessarily want to admit weakness um, because it, it uh, can lead to feelings of vulnerability. There are men who experience panic attacks and they think that they've had heart attacks because it's kind of a similar kind of feeling. But um, it just seems much easier to explain it away as something, oh, it's something wrong physically, when these things, such as panic attacks, are all-consuming, really. I think also men aren't very keen on expressing anxiety. Let's say sometimes men might feel anxious and they might react in a short-tempered way so that they're not having to feel the, feel the anxiety that, that's actually there that's underneath it all. What's the solution to all this, do you think, Lindsay? How do you encourage more men to speak out and to seek help? I think it's about being there for your mates, being open, asking people how, how they are. 
it's also down to, let's say, the, the women in men's lives as well. I personally have a friend who I didn't realize had mental health problems, and he um, he told me, and I was completely unaware of it, because the, the issue was that I only ever saw him when we went out for for a meal or a couple of beers. I didn't see him when he was suffering the most. It was a surprise for me, and I felt I felt like a bit like I'd let him down. I hadn't been kind of able to see it. The issue really was that he was finding home life uh, challenging. It's a difficult one. I think I think men tend to open up more if they're doing something they can kind of keep their mind on, maybe doing something physical or watching some sport or something like that. It, it feels a little bit like men, men have their guards up mm. in a way that women don't. If anybody is suffering and they're feeling feelings that they've never felt before and they're unpleasant, just use use the resources that are available. There is an info line at Such a Mind. If you just want to know more, find find out more about how you're feeling. And then things like the Samaritans are um, have been brilliant for decades, really. Since you mentioned the Samaritans, there, let's get this in early. The number you need if you do need to speak to someone, day or night, is one one six one two three. Now, one of the things Lindsay also mentioned was money and how it can be a big trigger for men's mental health problems. He said that being the main breadwinner brings added pressures for some men. And Lindsay now helps others by talking about his experiences for Oxfordshire Mind. And that's where Dan Knowles is from. You know, men typically do express themselves through things like sport and they're much more, on average, competitive than women are. And so you don't want to show what might be perceived as weakness. That's why we need to challenge that kind of association and understanding and say, actually, everybody has ups and downs in their life. And if you're having a down, reach out and get some help. Have a conversation with somebody, speak to your GP, speak to a friend, because that's the first step on your road to recovery. Great advice from Dan there. He's the CEO at our local mental health charity, Oxfordshire Mind. And I asked him to try and explain why he thinks men find it more difficult to express their emotions. I think men put expectations on themselves to be tough and strong and, you know, often, not always and and refreshingly in today's world, but often expected to be the breadwinner and, you know, the one who's sort of the the strong man. And, um, you know, that's absolutely fine as far as it goes. But when you're having challenges, you need to get help because the the vast majority of people who seek help, especially seeking help early on, um, get better and and do just literally get back on track, which is what we would want for everyone. Of course. And and where do you think Mm. that reluctance to to seek help or to talk about mental health, where do you think that kind of stems from? Is that something from the way that boys and men are kind of brought up or something to do with their surroundings as adults? I don't know. I mean, it's it's societal, isn't it? It's, um, It's the way that people are brought up. It's the way that men are expected to be tough and strong. And I think it is it is rooted in biology as well. You know, men typically do uh, express themselves through things like sport and they're much more on average competitive than women are and you know so you don't want to show what might be perceived as weakness that's why we need to challenge that kind of uh, an association and understanding and say actually we all have physical health we all have mental health everybody has ups and downs in their life and if you're having a down um, you know, reach out and get some help, have a conversation with somebody, speak to your GP, speak to a friend, go for a cup of tea and have a conversation about it because that's the first step on your road to recovery. 
also we mm. know don't we from the facts the figures that men are more likely quite a bit more likely than women to actually take their own lives as well and do you think that could be largely put down again to them not wanting to share how they're feeling and and seek help i'm sure that's right men are three times more likely to take their lives than than women and i think that's because some men bottle their challenges up and then it gets to a stage where they can't cope anymore. And we know that men are much more likely to become dependent on alcohol than women. We know that men are more likely to be compulsorily detained for their mental health issues, so sections, than women are. We know that men are more likely to be victims of violent crime. We know that men make up the vast majority of the prison population. There's a whole sort of raft of issues there where, again, if men were able to reach out for help earlier on, they would be able to nip that in the bud and not become dependent on on alcohol, not become suicidal, not become so bad that they need to be sectioned because of their mental health issues. All of that, obviously, in the context of the pandemic. What would you say you've seen from your perspective and Oxfordshire Mind, how the pandemic has maybe worsened if it has the situation in terms of men's mental health and and depression? And Are you busier in the last year or 18 months? We're definitely busier and that continues to rise as the implications of the pandemic continue to work through. On average, if you are a relatively well-off resilient person in the UK, then that resilience has shone through. And, and, you know, on average, people have done okay. In the pandemic, what we've seen in particular is an exacerbation of existing inequalities. So somebody who has an existing mental health issue has is probably feeling worse now than they were pre the pandemic. If you're not white, the chances are that your mental health has, has deteriorated more than the white population in the UK. If you're from the LGBTQ plus community and if you're from lower socioeconomic groups, maybe with less uh, financial resilience or lower job security and, and lower wage, then again, your experience on average is, is worse. And I think that's what we're starting to see is an exacerbation of existing inequalities in British society. For me personally, when I think about mental health and, and maybe the symptoms of depression, I do think about the mental symptoms and actually some of the physical signs maybe tend to go sort of unnoticed or, or people don't really think about. Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a really good point. I think for men, what we see are people being uh, potentially more irritable, uh, losing control, um, being angry and sort of quickly angry, sudden anger for, for maybe it feels like a real sort of over kind of performance or over exaggeration of, of their symptoms is sort of something that, that comes as, as slightly surprising. Sometimes men also end up drinking a little bit more or taking drugs to cope with, with depression. And that can be a sign that, that people aren't doing very well. So Dan says demand for help is continuing to rise and Oxfordshire Mind has been much busier during the pandemic Researchers at Oxford University actually confirmed recently that people who'd had COVID-19 also had higher rates of psychiatric and neurological conditions over the next six months since they were diagnosed. So what are the symptoms of depression in men? Well, Emma from News has been looking into this. Whilst depression is thought of as a mental health issue, it can also manifest in the body. Some common physical signs can include things like chest tightness, continuous headaches and a racing heart. Unintended weight loss and even erectile dysfunction are also possible for men suffering with depression. 
the mental symptoms are noticeable too, as they can lead to a change in behaviour and emotions. Things like difficulties concentrating, memory problems, sleep issues and suicidal thoughts. When it comes to treatment, talking therapy and medications or both are most common. There is help for you if you need it. So if you or anyone you know is experiencing any of the symptoms I've just mentioned, talk to your GP or call the Oxfordshire Mind information line on 01865 247 788. Thanks, Emma. You're going to hear now from the founder of a digital wellness platform in Oxfordshire who says it's vital that talk around mental health begins at a young age so that people feel confident to open up. Dean Worrell is a dad of two. He's been battling depression and anxiety since he was 15. It all came to a head in 2018, basically, um, whereby I was probably within um, 10, 15 seconds of taking my own life. It was at this point that I'd actually realised that I'd been struggling since I was about 15. and I didn't know that I'd actually had depression or anxiety because back in those days, we weren't taught about it. Um, it was always stigmatized um, and you always had to kind of roll your sleeves up and get on with it. So it was a massive thing for me to actually understand and realize that I had this thing called depression and I wasn't lazy uh, because I couldn't get out of bed or I would use all my energy up taking the kids to school in the morning and then I'd lie on the sofa all day because I didn't have any energy. A few things that you said there, obviously, the, the whole idea of, you know, roll up your sleeves and get on with it. If if that's the kind of mentality that you had on it initially, how did you kind of come past that and actually realise, no, I, I do need help and I'm, and I'm going to get it? Uh, the fact that I was to the point of despair and the fact that I was so close to taking my own life, I... I almost just sobered up in that moment. And when I say sober, I don't mean, you know, coming off a big bender and and sobering up that way, but just sobered up in terms of understanding and and accepting what I had. And it was actually quite hard to accept it because obviously not understanding what you'd had in the first place, you had to kind of just go with it and understand. And and I went into therapy basically from there. Growing up, you weren't really taught about mental health and what it looked like to maybe suffer with depression or or what you do about it so what are your thoughts on how things are now I suppose with the way kids and teenagers are brought up talking about and being taught about mental health I think that's a really tricky question um I think you will have certain schools that will will want to do it and and bring it into I know my my eldest son's school do a lot around mindfulness um There are some amazing organisations out there that actually do a lot of work with schools. But I think it's imperative that it starts at a young age Um, because we're taught, especially as boys, that when we fall over, not to cry. Um, You know, and if you then use that mantra throughout your life, then you're not going to want to open up about your your struggles. Um, So it is imperative, in my opinion, that, that schools... Um, especially primary school, get it at a young age. But then if you throw into the mix, I mean, this could last ages, this conversation. (laughs) Um, You throw into the mix social media, people not liking the way their body looks because of what they see on social media in in their teenage years. There's so much stuff out there now that we didn't have when we were kids that I think it's absolutely imperative 
that it is started at an early age. And you've got, is it three boys? Two boys, two boys. Do you talk about either your struggles with them or, or do you try and bring up the conversation of mental health with them? What I do with my boys is I just make sure that they are able to express their feelings. If they fall over and hurt themselves and they see other people laughing at them, other little boys and girls laughing at them, I say, don't worry about it. You cry as much as you want to cry. Um, we try and ask them to talk about how they're feeling as much as we can. Obviously, they're not going to want to do it all the time, but it's important that my boys, especially for me, see that you can be vulnerable. And it's funny because they saw me crying the other week. I can't think what it was we were watching but um, on TV, but I was crying at something. And, and they found it really funny that I was actually crying, but it was that simple fact that I was being vulnerable in front of them that was so important because, you know, a lot of men of my age potentially didn't see that in their own parents or their own fathers. So. No, it's so true, isn't it? It's a generational difference, I think, but someone like yourself can be that open with your children will, will surely mean good things for them going forward and maybe not feeling like you did when you were younger, that it was something that you weren't allowed to or, or couldn't talk about. Yeah, and I think when I do my um, mental health awareness talks in, in corporate land, I often talk about how I'm, I'm almost certain that my father had depression um, because he would come home on a Friday after work, after a busy week on site, he was um, a painter and decorator. Um, and he lit Joe, he literally wouldn't say anything until Monday. And when I say he wouldn't say anything, he literally would not say anything. Um, he would just nod or go mm, when he was asked a question, and that was it. And back in back when I was like, I don't know, I'm, I can't remember how old I was at the time, but I just remember it vividly in my head that he literally just wouldn't say anything. So I'm I'm certain that he struggled with um, mental health issues um, but for his generation he literally had to roll his sleeves up and get on with it there, there wasn't any opportunity back in those days to be vulnerable and to open up about it and I think what we're trying to do um, my generation our generation whatever you want to call it is to show that vulnerability is a strength rather than a weakness Dean Worrell there, who created Norma, a digital wellness platform to help improve the mental and physical wellness of employees in businesses and basically to counteract stress. Now we're going to head back to Stephen Long, who you heard briefly at the beginning of this podcast, and he's got some more staggering figures for us. So men are twice as likely to become alcohol dependent than women. Two thirds of drugs related deaths are men. 87% of rough sleepers are men. 95% of prisoners in the UK are men, and 72% of those suffer from two or more mental disorders. Now, the disparity comes when the percentage of people accessing support or professional help is only 36% men. So it sounds like, in a very traditional way, men have a lot of problems, not more problems than women, but a lot of problems, but don't then open up and access the help that they need. Stephen is the Recovery Innovations Coordinator for a mental health charity in Oxfordshire and he believes terms like man up are preventing men from coming forward to seek help. He struggled with his mental health for the majority of his life and he says there's one coping strategy that's made a big difference, especially during the pandemic. Depression is a very unique experience for people. For me it's a very 
I was having this discussion yesterday with a colleague and I said it's selfish, but not in a derogatory sense that people usually associate with selfish, but it's very introspective. I find when I'm depressed, if you imagine your chest or your body is a, a spotlight and you should be pointing that spotlight and illuminating the world in front of you. And that's how you kind of address the world. I find that when I get depressed, that spotlight turns around and it focuses completely internally. So I find myself gazing in, which people can say makes me distant or isolated or low or non-engaging. But it's just a very hard situation when you feel really depressed to make sense of what's going on inside. And that's something that I've got better at over my life through coping mechanisms and learning what helps and what doesn't help. Do you think that sometimes, you know, if people observe you to be a bit off, maybe a bit quiet, a bit reserved, how do they kind of react to that? Are they potentially then leaving you to it rather than coming forward to see how you're doing? And how do you want people to react, I suppose? Very interesting questions. And I think that's completely dependent on the people and how you feel at the time. So I know sometimes I have a predisposition to isolate. If I get really bad, I want to shut the curtains, almost get into bed under the cover, lock the door. Like I don't want to be around people. Now, that might be an instinctive response that I know that I want to do. I have learned over the years that I need to fight that because that's not good for me. So it's, it's that catch 22 of that makes me feel better in the immediacy and it's calming and relaxing. And I will not answer my phone and I will put things off. But I know that's not better for me in the long term because I'll get into that habit. So what I've done just over the last few years recently is gone through a practice of trying to say yes to much more. So if someone says, do you want me to come and pick you up? I'll take you out. Or do you want me to come around? We'll have a cup of tea. If I was feeling really low, my instinct would have been no. And part of that is I don't want to burden you with this. Like I feel as bad as I am anyway. I don't want to project that onto you. And what I realized is that people that care genuinely do care and they have good motives. So against my instincts, I think I say a yes a lot more now. And I found that after the initial difficulties of that, which could be like 20 minutes, half an hour, I actually feel the benefit of it. And there is something to be said for the benefit of being around others. And sometimes it is a case of, do you want to talk about it? And I go, no, but I'd like to sit in this space with you for like half an hour and just have a cup of tea. It's really nice to know people are there. Stephen's launching a new course with the Oxfordshire Recovery College and it's going to explore why men find it harder to talk about mental health. It's an in-person course, it's not virtual and it's not just for men either. The men's mental health course that we are doing through the Oxfordshire Recovery College, there is a segment in that it's it's a three-part course there is a segment in that which we talk about language and how to talk to men specifically some of the rules to follow they're by no means set in stone and hard and fast but just good guidance like know when to quit the banter ask twice there's a whole section on language and how to approach and talk to someone that may be struggling actually just to talk a bit more about that course so it's called men mental health and society isn't it and you've just mentioned there about talking to men specifically so what's the difference why do we need to talk to men differently and how do we talk to them well i think these are just broad generalizations because obviously not all men are the same and you have things like 
men men's conversation can be a bit more rowdy it can be a bit more banter related it can be a bit more challenging and competitive as opposed to traditional female conversations or interactions so some of the advice might be if you're hanging out with a friend and it's you know let's go for a beer i'm going to make a joke about your appearance you put on so you know gentle banter and it's if you notice someone's not reacting know when to stop that know when to get serious know when to you know ask the serious questions and see if someone wants to open up put someone in a comfortable position because you know part of the course that we focus a lot on is language we deal with each other as men and maybe how society deals with us as men like don't do that come on man up and just expressions like that are it's there's an implied pressure and social demand of oh i've got to man up oh okay i don't know what that means are you telling me not to show my emotions to be a bit more enclosed and not so in you know so there can be a bit of a minefield do you feel there's a barrier in the way because Mm. it's not being manly Stephen Long there and I did promise him a little plug for his podcast the Oxfordshire Recovery College podcast so go and download that one after you finish this one maybe. Now I'm going to play you some of the chat I had with Dr Samantha Sadler who is the Deputy Clinical Lead for Talking Space Plus. That's a free NHS service for people worried about their mental health. Sam's got all the details you need for the service in just a moment. But we spoke about how more resources have been put in place during the pandemic to help people cope and how changing circumstances and having more time to think has led to an increase in referrals to NHS services for mental health support. Here's Sam. You don't have to go and see your GP in order to access a service through Talking Space Plus. You can call us on 01865 901 222. Or even better yet, particularly if you kind of you're just you're at that phase where you've recognized that you need some help but you're perhaps you're still feeling a little bit anxious or a little bit reticent or just not sure but you're kind of there but you don't want to quite pick up the phone the great news is you can also do an online self-referral and you can do that through our website and if you just type in talking space plus oxfordshire into your search engine of choice um, we have a website which is embedded on the oxford health website and there's a self-referral form in there. And I know that one of the things you've been thinking about, Joe, is, is men's mental health. And whilst I think times are changing and we should all be really you know, pleased about that, there is still, I think, a stigma attached to men seeking help. And we have something called um, an instant access, essentially, um, online treatment called Silver Cloud and it's called it's Silver Cloud Open Access and it's a CBT informed intervention which you can do not having to speak to somebody in person other than electronically so it's a really great way to access treatment. Of course and have you found that you have been more busy than usual in the last 18 months as well? Yes, absolutely. We have. Um, I think all NHS departments, strangely enough, have been busy uh, over the last 18 months. But if we're thinking about psychological distress, mental health distress, we have noticed an increase in our referrals. Absolutely. And things like changing working circumstances, illness, of course, but also perhaps more time to think when you're working at home or you're furloughed. Having that sort of uninterrupted, sadly, thinking space can also bring out our 
deepest darkest fears our deepest darkest vulnerabilities and that has we believe in, in mental health that has led to an increase in presentations to services within the nhs absolutely because there's so many elements to this isn't there because there's people that have maybe just been affected generally by the lockdowns there's people that have maybe had covid and are now affected by long covid people that have experienced grief through loss of loved ones i, I mean the work that you've been doing has been quite far-reaching hasn't it it has, and I, and I think um, we have set up a specific service uh, within Talking Space Plus looking at long COVID alongside other psychological distress. Um, and you've talked about um, experiencing ill health, watching other people experience, you know, really terrible things through their own ill health and having experienced loss. We are seeing that come into service now. Um, but we also think about those of practical things as well you know just perhaps experiencing a prolonged period of financial even if it isn't as far as distress but just tension financial tension within households spending more time with your family you may love them deeply but if you're there with them 24 7 for a prolonged period that can increase stressors within the house so it is absolutely really multifaceted and multi-level distress that we are picking up on what do you foresee in terms of the future in the coming months and years? The pandemic isn't over. Do you think nope. there is enough support around to catch all those people that are asking for help now? I think that's a really great question. I wish I could answer it absolutely definitively, Jay, but um, obviously, you know, I work in a small part of the NHS. But what I can say is that IAPT, Talking Space Plus is part of IAPT nationally, has been funded to expand We've been doing that during a period of COVID-19, which has not been straightforward, but the service provision is expanding anyway. And the NHS has taken it very, you know, COVID-19 has been taken very seriously. And we have also been able to access additional funding to offer perhaps more training to our staff. So they get that nuanced understanding of COVID-19 and we've been able to put more resource in place. So I think it's very, very high up people's agendas IAPT Talking Space Plus is expanding. Um, I think it's going to be, as you say, a, a longer term sustained effort nationally to make sure that people's needs are met as a result of the pandemic. I'm confident that we're on the right trajectory locally, um, but that doesn't come without significant you know, challenges because this is a national problem that we're all facing. Dr Samantha Sadler there from Oxfordshire's Talking Space Plus. It is a free NHS service for anyone worried about their mental health. You can call 901 222 to speak to someone. Everyone has mental health and talking about your struggles isn't a weakness. Diagnosing depression and seeking treatment can save lives. Speak to your GP, give the Samaritans a call on 116 123 or ask a friend to meet up for a coffee maybe and a chat. They will listen. Now back to Dan Knowles for the final word. This is anyone listening to this who knows a male friend or, or indeed a female friend. We're, we're talking about male mental health, but, you know, men are reticent to come forward. And I think one of the things that we can do for somebody who doesn't quite look themselves at the moment is, is say, how are you? But then ask that again and look that person really in the eye and say, actually, really, how are you now? You know, you don't quite look yourself at the minute. You know, should we go and have a cup of tea together or pop down the pub or something like that and have a chat and try and tease that out to somebody? Because having that first conversation 
and gaining that first step on the road to recovery is the hardest but most effective thing you could do.